Well, I think you should introduce yourself first. Oh, hello, I'm Bryony. Bryony Kimmings. I wrote this this musical. My name's Jenny Eclair. We look a bit similar, but it's not intentional. I'm not copying her. Um, I don't know how many of you have actually seen the show. Hands. Sorry to say, hands up. It's the only way I can kind of gauge. Okay. Who has already seen the show? Lots of people. Quite a few of you. And who's, see, who's seeing the show tonight? Loads of people. <laughs> well, you're in for a treat. I saw it um, two nights ago and was bowled over by it. I think that... I wasn't really knowing what I was going to expect. I was sort of slightly anxious about it. Is that... Is that how most people feel about it? Tell us why, for starters, you decided you could do this. <laughs> Two <laughs> questions. Who do you there. think you are? Yeah. Um, how dare you? I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Right, so we're not allowed to do any spoilers. I've just got no a bit spoilers. Careful. Okay. Um, how it, uh, I've always wanted to write a musical. I always write music in my shows, and and I've always really wanted to do something really bonkers like a musical, and then. Judith, the lady from Complicite, who runs it, asked me to come in for a meeting and to pitch some ideas. You know those awful meetings where you have to go and sort of sell, no, your, sell your soul. Don't don't you don't do that, okay? okay. <laughs> in the theatre, you have to do it a lot and yeah. you like basically pimp yourself around. And um, she didn't, she didn't um, like any of my ideas and made it, and made it very clear. And then she sort of kept backing away from me because I had a cold. I thought, this woman is very strange. And then she said, oh, I might, might as well tell you I've got cancer. I'm just going through, I've just had my first chemotherapy. And, she had a, and then I noticed she had a turban on or whatever. And I said, oh, have you ever thought about making anything about cancer? My friend Brian makes all of his work about cancer. No, ho hold on. Your friend Brian makes all of his work yeah, about cancer. He, he is like... Canc cancer man. Cancer man. Yes, let's call him that. Why? Is he here? God, sorry, cancer man. Why is he <laughs> so obsessed with cancer? So what? he had cancer when he was about 17. I think it was 17, testicular cancer, yeah. um, which has a good survival rate, but it has one of the toughest treatment um, periods. It's yeah. very, very hardcore, the treatment. So he had surgery, had a ball removed, and now he's only got one ball. Yeah, which like, Hitler. Happy. Yeah, like, like Hitler. Hitler. Like Hitler. Everyone um, always Hitler. He's Jewish. He's Jewish, so yeah. he's like the opposite of Hitler. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't put him in the same box. Okay, ball. Jewish cancer man. Yeah, Jewish cancer man. Yeah. Um, and he right, right, wrote all the way through his treatment, and then he's just made all of his work about his experiences of having cancer. And in this production, is he the music, or, or is he the lyrics? He wrote what? the book with me. Okay, now, um, as somebody who does, is not musical, I can't clap in time, seriously. It's a, <laughs> uh, if I start clapping, I will fall off the chair. It's a <laughs> sort of, you know, I've got no coordination Vertigo. whatsoever. Yeah. I can't even march. I'm the only person I know. Oh, I once had to march <laughs> in a show, and to march, you meant to go like that, aren't you? Yeah. No, I march like this. <laughs> so that's how bad I am. So what is the book? Uh, so the book's a story, a okay. script. I didn't know that either, but they okay. call it the book in musicals. So the script, I wrote, I wrote the script and then I sent it to him and then he'd tell me off and then send it back and then I'd have to write it again. So, and then he'd write, so he wrote some scenes, especially the doctor's scenes. Um, but he's, he's, he, he was always sort of overarching cancer eye, political cancer eye, because he's got a PhD in illness studies in art or something. You can't have a PhD in, in illness, illness studies. studies. <laughs> is it I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you create uh, 
the kingdom of the sick yeah. here. That we, can, we can say that there is a sort of, because it is a world you enter once you become ill. Yes. Yeah. So these doors are sort of very significant in some respects. You come in and out, and outside is the world where everyone else is getting on with their lives. Yeah. In this quite claustrophobic space, it is a, a microcosm of sickness. Yeah. And it's... It comes from a quote that does. Oh. That does come from a quote it does. You nicked it? Nicked it off some lady called Susan Sontag. Oh, we know her. <laughs> she's yeah. She's, she's all right. She's quite famous. It, Sorry, it, I, I'm so surprised and I almost dribbled. <laughs> you know oh, when I said Susan I have Sontag. no coordination? Um, Appalling. She, it's something like, uh, this is a terrible probably really bodged quote, but it's something like, when you're born, you're born with two passports, one from the kingdom of the well and one for the kingdom of the sick. And although you want to use the good passport, some of us are obliged, at least for a spell, to use the bad passport. Where does a hangover come in that? <laughs> you're, it's, like, it's like when you go Margate. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? You don't need a passport, but it's still a trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I don't know. It, um, I, I think that... You know, some people say that in this country that we still have a bit of a, t of a taboo about death. I'm not sure we do anymore. I think the biggest taboo is fear. I think that we have become a generation of people. I'm in my 50s, and I think that the one thing we can't cope with, because we've never had to deal with it in our lives, is fear. And I think that um, because we haven't had wars, mm. we haven't had anything that really frightens us, and cancer is is a, a huge wall of fear. Mm. And even if you've had the tiniest brush with it, I think any woman that's had any mammogram will always have that terrible moment, you know, when the letter arrives. Mm. And I mean, sweat will drip down the backs of your legs mm. at that moment. I think for younger women, it's the results of your smear test. Yeah. For men, you don't tend to get marched into things so much. I think it gets to be prostate tests later on in life or whatever, but there is this awful rush of fear mm. and it is, you just sometimes, and you make those horrible little bargains with the God that you never otherwise believe in. Yeah. And you start sort of counting good luck things and clutching at ridiculous straws, yeah. or you go through the classmates that you had at school and you think, well, you know, four of us hang, hung out together, two of them have had cancer, the two of us can't have it as well, you know, yeah. it sort of is, it becomes ridiculous. So why did, why did you think it would be appetising for an audience? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Um, <laughs> Young <okay>. lady. <laughs> um, well, I didn't necessarily think that straight away. What I did is I went to Judith's appointments with her. So I went to some of her chemo sessions and I went to a really brilliant radiotherapy session, which is, if you've ever done radiotherapy, it's like being in a rave. It's all lasers and they played ABBA. It was brilliant. And you get a tattoo. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. You get, you get, because um, they have to put the laser at exactly the same place every single time. It's really very specific. They tattoo you, and she's still got a tattoo there and they there. They don't just do a ballpoint. No, pen because cross. it's every day for like three weeks. Did you know this? Get a little tattoo. So, so some <laughs> people in the audience have obviously had cancer experiences. So a lot of this will be more familiar. But for the, I had no idea about that. And which is the, I mean, was she very ill during this treatment? Was it a, an eye-opener for you? Um, yeah, she was, I mean, she had, um, actually, I can't remember what stage it was. But yeah, I mean, keep, cancer, generally, I think from the people I've spoken to, I mean, after I followed Judith around, I followed 15 other people yeah. around. How did you choose those people? Because I, I just put it, my feelers out. Okay. Um, and 
through people, met people. I tried to not make them sort of all theatre people mm-hmm. um, and then just grabbed anyone, put it on Facebook, people knew people. Um, but yes, yeah, she was ill. I mean, unless it's really late stage cancer, it's not particularly, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I think it's not painful to have cancer. It's the, ther- it's the treatment that's really bad. So chemo is what makes you really, really ill, tired, um, you know, sick. Um, so yeah, she was. She, she worked all the way through it. She's a war, war horse. <laughs> Can you say war horse in national theatre? Yeah, yeah. But you, but you have. She's to a give, war horse. But you have to give the, Tom what's his name fifteen pence oh, every time. Like you a say swear jar. War, war horse. War horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your, you, uh, yourself, do you have any um, connections with cancer personally? No, I, I didn't think I did. And then when my dad came to visit from Australia the other day, he told me that mine. My, his mother had died of lung cancer. And I said, oh, did she smoke? And he said, no, but her husband did. And you just think, oh, my God. What? As in, like, she got lung cancer. He, di- he died of a heart attack, I think. And then, but she'd caught, she'd got lung cancer and it was smoking-related and because he'd smoked in the house. He'd caused her death. Yeah. He murdered her. He murdered her. Yeah. And they hated each other, so, like, even worse. So, basically, she, he was smoking over her, like yeah. that, to try and kill yeah. her. Yeah. She was like, <laughs> um, do you think that anybody that does this show can actually, you know, any of the performers in it can leave the stage and nip out for a fag without feeling dreadful? I was the only smoker in the team, actually. I wanted her to admit that in front of you as God is my witness. I'm very surprised at you. I know. It's stupid, isn't it? You're not it? scared enough yet. You will get scared and you will stop. I did stop when I was pregnant, obviously. I didn't well, smoke I'm through that. I'm quite glad you know. to hear that. But actually, I started smoking again when my son got very ill, so I, I, I blame that. And, okay. and, and also, I don't have many vices, but that is one. But it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, is. But it, the more I think I mustn't smoke, I just as soon as I think I mustn't smoke, I go and have a fag. Ah, <laughs> I'm not but laughing, a lot of va- There's a lot of vapours in the, in the cast, um, they, and they don't know what vaping does. No, So I'm no. clinging on to that. No, listen, this, if I can give up smoking, anyone can give really? up smoking. It's still the thing, my one regret, I think it's that sort of thing that, yeah, I'm a, a chronic hypochondriac. You know, most people are just normal hypochondriacs. I have chronic hypochondria, <laughs> which is quite painful. <laughs> and um, I, every time I get a slight chest infection, yeah, I'm terrified. I think we all run very scared of cancer. Tell me about your... Um, Introduction to the world of complicity. Had you seen their work before? Yeah, I had. I'd seen Mnemonic um, when I was a student at Riverside. But was I had that the one about numbers? No, that was a disappearing number. I don't know. I don't know how many people about my age in here and who saw complicity back in the. I think it was the eighties, even in I, Edinburgh. Yeah, like. in Edinburgh, yeah. Um, and saw a show about death actually. Uh, and it was when Complicite were very, a very small theatre company and you had to go down some odd old place down the hill in Edinburgh, which meant you had to walk back up the hill. And, um, <laughs> and I was absolutely so blown away yeah. by them because they were using comedy in a way I had never seen. I mean, you know, I've been around alternative comedy for me- th- over 30 years. And um, that's why I'm intrigued by people like you who push comedy into much more extreme directions because there is something rather lazy and 
predictable about one mic, one man, one microphone. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, in the end, I don't want to see somebody standing still for an hour. I want more. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, I want some sweat actually. <laughs> um, and stand-ups are lazy, bone idle. And um, <laughs> it's mostly because they can't do, <laughs> do anything else. But I, I, I very much from then on just thought there is, there is this other performance space. I don't know how to get into it. I don't know how you got into it because you are a performance art artist, which is quite an odd thing yeah. to be. Yeah. And do you choose to be it or do you train to be it or why and how? I don't think you train to be it, actually. I, don't, I went to study theatre. The plant at Brunel just... It, it was like tucked away in Brunel. It's a sports college and a yes. sort of like a sort of uh, thing. And it was sort of tucked away, this really weird course. And I was like, oh, it was the only course I got onto. Oh, I only applied because my mate was there. And um, didn't really even think I was going to go to university, really. And then suddenly got this acceptance letter. And I remember going on holiday with mum. Yeah, my mum's here. I went on holiday to Florida with a boyfriend that I was going out with at the time. And then I got back. I was like, oh, I've got oh you're there. Sorry. Hello, mum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? Um, she's on the front row. She's right there, and I look at her, bless God, her. God, you're good. She's like, hi, it's my daughter. Um, uh, and yeah, I was like, oh, my mum had packed on my stuff, and she was like, you've got to go to university <laughs> next <work>. week. Bye. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Anyway, uh, but it wasn't theatre. It was performance studies, which meant for sort of 60s onwards, really, and like all experimental performance art. I didn't read one play, I didn't do anything like that. And did you do practical classes? Yeah, totally. Was there a lot of rolling around naked? Yeah, there was a lot of Brilliant. like, um, uh, come today, on, everybody. Today, I'm gonna cut myself and bleed all over this canvas, you know, like all of this crazy, amazing stuff. Like, and I've just come from like little town outside of Peterborough, and I was just like, what is going on? I haven't seen so many cocks in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? It was really, it was excellent. And we weirdly, a lot of people left. It was excellent. The cocks were excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people left thinking it was meant to be an acting course. But I, me and a core group of people were just like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I bet my mum must, must have been like, oh my God, what has happened to her? I went blonde with like a nightcap. That's how I went to the first day in an Adidas tracksuit with gold earrings, sovereigns, you know, like really pikey. And... Um, Came back that summer, like, with a black bob with a fringe and, like, <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah, but a lot of <laughs> 60s influence then. Yeah, totally, like Marina Abramovich, um, Bobby Baker, like, all, lots of women. Um, Bobby Baker, still underestimated, has been oh working, gosh, you know, for God knows how many yeah. decades. Because yeah. she uses, she's kind of performance art mashed up with Bake Off, isn't she? Yeah. Bobby, she yeah. kind of... Pretty much. Does, uh, by the way, well done, Mother. I was on telly the other night. I was on a terrible show called Celebrity Storage Hunters. Um, well, it's not terrible. I, I saw thought that advertised. Yeah, that looks yeah, amazing. All right, yeah, it was good fun. My mother phones me up and she goes, well, I tried to watch that thing you were in. I switched off. Oh, and, yeah, you know, and I'm 56 and it still hurts a bit, but yeah. I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I've got it out now and it's all right. Um, I might roll around naked shouting, my mother's a bitch for a while, but <laughs> still. That's what I did. Yeah. Uh, do you remember any of your early works then? Because oh yeah. Go on, I want oh more my God. of this. I made a show, I made, this is really boring for everyone, but I made a show called Stick It In My Party Hole. That was the first show I made. Stick It In My Party Hole? Yeah. <laughs> well. Do you remember that show, Mum? <laughs> <laughs> It begins with me in thigh-high PVC boots and a thong backing on stage like that. 
Yeah. I think I made my bum hole tell a joke. It was that kind of work. Oh, it sounds... Am- it was always silly. It was never serious. It was, I was never, I was never like... Uh, yeah. Politics. So you, you know. wanted some comedy in with it, but you oh, were never yeah. interested in going down the easy route and doing some stuff about... I would never be able to do stand-up. Never. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't know where to begin. But I don't think there's something funny about stand-up, which is like, I'm a, you, you're saying you're funny. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I'm really funny. And I can't <laughs> say that. Like, I am funny. Like, I make people laugh. But for me to say, like, oh, I'm a comedian, I would be so shy of that. Because I'd but be like, you're not funny. It is an imposition. It is basically, it's kind of like a mental illness because it is saying, <laughs> I'm this and you lot are going to listen yeah, to me yeah. for the next 45 minutes because I'm so hilarious. Yeah, I think it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you need to give it up. Jamie. I need to stop doing it you right now. You need to now. stop making music. But I, I, I love the way that your work can expand because I think stand-up can sometimes get very trapped in its own box. But this, there are no kind, there's nobody blocking you. There doesn't seem to be anybody saying no. No. But how do you know it's going to work, or some, or are there just terrible failures? How do you get it to work? How do you get? This I didn't. I didn't make my own work really until I was thirty. So I, I, in my twenties, I ran club nights at, at Bethnal Green Working Men's Club. I love that place. Yeah, it's so great, isn't it? Yeah. Go there. It's yeah. you know in danger of you know shutting down, um, probably um, like everywhere. You know, it's in danger of regentrification. Exactly, it's that, awful. Yeah. London is screwed. Um, but. Um, well, for, you know, for performance, yeah. performers. Um, not for everyone, I'm sure you're all fine. Um, but... Well, I don't know, they won't have got jobs, they're here. Oh, no, they haven't got jobs. Yeah. It's all right, you'll get jobs soon. Hey. Um, yes, and I was a producer. So I'd, and I, I, I'd watched a lot of terrible work. So I knew what made good work. When you say producer, theatre producer? Dance producer dance producer I weirdly w- w- didn't want to work in performance art because I thought I want to be an artist one day and if I find that if you work in the field people just always think you're the administrator for you know live art development agency or whatever and actually I wanted to be an artist I knew I did want to be but I wanted to n- do it when it was going to be good I'd had a couple cu- when I left uni I did a couple of really crap shows stick at my party I was one of them and um yeah, another one was called Place Me Elsewhere. It was awful, awful. And I just knew I didn't want to be rubbish at it. I wanted to be good at it. So since I've been, since I've been making shows, I've made five shows on my own now, well, with all collaborations with other people. And they've all been quite well received. This has probably been the least well received. <laughs> no, no, th- this has been you putting yourself up under a much bigger spotlight. Yeah, yeah, true. And so immediately uh, that gets in, you know... <laughs> It, you, you have opened your can of worms yeah. to a much bigger audience. Yeah, true, true. true. Um, and I don't, think, I don't think... The reviews I've seen have been... Pr- you don't get The Guardian raving about things very often. Yeah, true. You know, there are a lot of people that properly count who say how important this is. This is Thank an important you. show. That makes me feel good. This is a, it's a really important show. It's, a, it's most unblinkered. It is audacious. I mean... It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> My sister, um, who lost her husband to cancer uh, and was widowed before she was 50... When she told me her husband was ill, she came round to my house and she said, um, Michael has got cancer, this wasn't in my script. This wasn't how she expected her life to go. And I don't think people do put cancer in the script, but you have, you very much put it 
you have written the cancer script. Yeah. Um, and this, I, I'm pretty sure this will tour globally because it's such a universal tale. And I'm, but I am interested in your roots and how you've become this brave and how much help you've had to have, or whether it was a sod it, my son's ill, fuck it, I don't care. Well, Judith, or Judith said the other day when I was being interviewed by someone in the office, she said, um, she came over and she said, she's, she's very, um, what did she say? Not brave, she said brave is the wrong word, but she said very determined, like, and I think that old bag there, also known as my mum, um, she, sort of did everything, it was very capable, single mum, very capable, never, there was never a question of, look, you couldn't do anything, she would never moan about anything, she would never, you know, she was up, up changing light bulbs, catching spiders, so I don't think I really knew, what's funny about that? <laughs> Sounds like a song, doesn't it? <laughs> changing light bulbs, <laughs> catching spiders. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so, well, you one, on the one hand, yes, my son got very ill and I was like, fuck it, I don't, I do not care about art. Like, I really went through a phase of like, should I not do this musical? Like, sh like every, everything changed, you know, every, everything just changed in perspective. And therefore it was just like... Did it change the course of this musical? Yes, absolutely. Of course, you know it did, you've seen it. Yeah, but it's I don't want to give too much away, no. so I'm letting you give as much away as you want. You became a stronger voice within this musical because... That's one thing. What, what, that I'm always in my shows, and this was my chance to be like, okay, how do you make a show that feels like a Bryony Kimming show? But I, I don't have to schlep right out every night to do it. I don't have to do it. And also, it's better, you know, if I can make some shows that I'm not in, I don't, I, there's only one me, yeah. but we can do this everywhere, yeah. right? Like Warhorse. <laughs> um, which is one of the things we wrote on the piece of paper when we were like, what are we going to make? And we were like, we're going to make a war horse, which, you know, hasn't really happened. It's been more of an experimental cancer musical than war horse. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, Simon McBurney came to see the show. So he's the main guy at Complicity, you know, absolute genius. I love his work. The Encounter is like one of the best things I've seen in a really long time. And he came to see a sharing. We do sharings each week normally when I make work. I don't like to be in a little Can you studio. actually say the word sharings without some sick coming up in your mouth? I sharings? Can't, I can't say sharings. You do, um, I like, I, what do you do to I make... Do, I do tryouts. Oh, fucking hell, sorry. That's not sharing. I'm not sharing. <laughs> I'm doing a Sharing? Tryout. Yeah, sharing. Okay, so you do sharing. And he came to one and he was like, there's something missing and it's you. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to be in it. You know, and that's kind of insulting to all the performers. But he was like, yeah, but it's, there's something about authentic voice that he wanted he wanted me to find and and I realised that I, although I, oh, I'm going around the houses. Wendy, who runs Perth Festival, a really good friend of mine, she used to work at Southbank Centre, she said to me, the first act feels like you were trying to write a musical for the West End and the second act feels like a Bryony Kimming show. And I was like, yeah, I, I realised that I'm actually never going to be able to make work that doesn't have me going, oh my God, have you ever thought about blah, blah, blah? Because actually that's all I can make and that's all I really want to make. I don't watch theatre and feel jealous. I watch theatre and go, where's Bryony Kimmings' voice? <laughs> <laughs> I go to theatre and get quite bored quite Me a too. lot of the time. Me too. I hate theatre mostly. And I don't hate theatre mostly. But I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I, I have a real problem with West End shows. I have mm. a, a real problem with Polish and uh, grown-up plays. And I have a problem with uh, traditional writing. I, I don't... It's a... 
this is a silly childish thing. I get very childish and petty about things because a bit sort of I don't. I quite like an embargo on Shakespeare for five years. Me too. For I just think sake. it's been done. We've done it. Great Shakespeare. Good work, lad. You know. But can we just have the new voices? Give them some more space. Yeah. Give them more opportunities. Give them you know the facilities and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I was not bored for a second Good. which is my highest accolade not for a second yeah, was be on the poster. not boring <laughs> jenny not, claire it was no but quite <laughs> a lot of things like, because there are no risks and there's sort of there's an element of madness that i think is quite reckless in your work what's the most reckless thing apart from you know your thong and your thigh length boots what do you think the most reckless thing is that you've done <laughs> why are you asking me this in front of my mum what in theatre well, your or mother like can go like this la 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 in la theater la. in theatre okay in good theater. yeah 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 you don't want to know about yeah, that I don't, stuff. No, I don't. <laughs> god um well there was a show that i toured a lot my probably my most successful show in terms of how many people have seen it and that's called sex idiot and in that show i asked the audience to give me their pubic hair and i turned it into a moustache every night and I figured out that about 20,000 people's pubes had been on my top lip. Mm. And what was the best moustache that you ever created? Oh, my God. The best I ever created was in Scotland. It would be. Yeah. yeah. Really hairy. Yeah. And um, it was like a rainbow. There was like grey, ginger, black, afro. You know, it was just like bang, 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 bang. It was gorgeous. And I was like, I'm keeping this one. Yeah. I kept yeah. it. And, and do you think that... Do you watch, because the weird thing is, uh, when I came to see the show and other people here tonight, you will notice something very familiar. So, when I do, when I make a piece of work, yeah. I choose the form based on the, co uh, on the subject matter. So, like, often it will be a, you know, one-woman show, but it feels odd to be like, I make one-woman shows where I sit and talk to, you know, I stand and talk to the audience, but rather, like, what would cancer have to be yeah, or what would a show about heartbreak have to be? Like, what's the best form for it? So the musical just seemed like the right form for cancer. The reason being, not in a kind of ironic Jerry Springer way, because that felt like that had been done. Mm -hmm. You know, Jerry Springer and Anna Nicole, the opera, kind of did the same yeah. thing. And it wasn't irony that I was after, and I hope it doesn't come across as irony. No. Um, it, what I wanted was that Tom says something really... Tom wrote the, wrote the music. He's at the back there in the yellow coat. He's always impeccably dressed in that same yellow coat. I can tell it's you. And um, he said, he's Northern, so he said, oh, you know what's good about musicals? Is that um, they can take giant cod swipes at things. Yeah. And I was like, I love that. Like, that feels exactly right. Like, y you know, the best musicals are, you know, HIV for Rent, um, Racism for West Side Story. Like, they cover, the, they've, can they for somehow manage to make you think about, if they're good, massive subjects. And be, and be entertaining and unifying, and they're fucking singing. You know what I mean? So it felt mm. like the right form for that. No, I think that there are obviously stories that people will affiliate with. Uh, the cast is extraordinary as well. And there's a what a, is very new and modern. And I don't know whether this was just something that landed in your lap rather than chased. Is it's a it's a very mixed cast. It's no, like we did that on purpose. Did, uh, right, because I, I, it's sort of this. Is it blind casting? Is this new? It's not colour blind casting because that is when a play exists 
already. And I think like, you know, like colorblind Shakespeare, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a thing, isn't it? Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, this was, we could write anyone. We wrote anyone. We could do whatever we wanted. And it was just, number one, there's not many roles for people that are in any way diverse. You know mm. what I mean? In mm. any way. And we wanted gay people in it. We wanted black people in it. You know, it's crazy that uh, this isn't fucking normal. Yeah, people yeah. with disabilities in it. You know, cancer it disables bodies. Yeah, and actually, it people in the cast have had cancer. It was very important that they'd had that experience. And it just felt like you, it couldn't be twelve all singing, all dancing, tits and teeth musical theatre actors. It just couldn't. It had to it look like everybody sitting in the audience. It? Yeah. it would be very different, wouldn't it? It would be awful. It would be slightly horrific. It would be awful. Yeah. It, they, they should look like what society looks Do you like. Worry? Which is what all plays should look like, for God's sake! Do you worry if it went to America, they might do that? They might suddenly have... Well, they wouldn't be allowed. Um, what about your future plans and getting back on stage with another No. Role? You say that now. You say that now. One day you'll wake up and the t you'll feel oh, it. Really? We're going to go, but thank you so much and enjoy the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much.